Yo, 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 what up world? It has been so, so long since we had the opportunity to talk to you guys. I am Jacques Slade, and right now you are listening to the Outside the Box podcast. We took a little bit of a break, and we knew we had to come back before the year was up just to say hello and let you guys know about some of the things that we thought were awesome, incredible, hype, that drip, um, lit, uh, on fire emoji, all of those things for this year. Obviously, I couldn't do this show by myself. Otherwise, you know, you probably wouldn't be listening if that was the case. That's why I have two incredible, incredible hosts here with me. Of course, that is Nick Ingvall and Tiffany Beers. Nick, go ahead and tell them where they can find you. Uh, Nick Ingvall, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L on all platforms. Um, you know, I'm just happy to uh, be back conversing with the two of you and uh, hopefully I can uh, learn about some shoes that I forgot this year and um, you know uh, just want to shout out both of you for your uh, accomplishments in the last what week or two in uh, Tiffany reaching 10,000 subscribers on YouTube and Jacques crossing Woo-hoo! a million which is amazing Yay! and you both deserve tons so Tiffany go ahead and introduce yourself uh, Tiffany Beers uh, worked in the sneaker industry for 13 years now and uh uh, this is my first full, almost full year kind of on social media and YouTube, so I'm pretty excited about that and super excited to share uh, And with this podcast today. These two, I haven't talked to them in a while. It's like, it's like long lost brothers. And uh, yeah, yeah. million, a million, like holy shit. That's amazing. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, but let, let's not downplay the 10,000 in a year. That's awesome. Like, let's not let's not act like that's not a big deal. I didn't. I took it took me up a link. Think of like a year and a half, maybe two years to get 10,000. So uh, all kudos to you. Um, thank you. But it's been an interesting year in the sneaker world. Uh, lots of really really great stuff and um, some not so good stuff. And uh, because we like to stay on the bright side of things, uh, we'll focus on uh, let's say the things that we like or the things that intrigued us or the things that we thought kind of pushed the needle forward in the world of sneakers. And um, one thing, uh, and I'll just kind of kick this off, that, that, that's been happening every year uh, during the holiday season, especially for the last few years, is the Air Jordan 11 Concord. And there was some news that came out. I was, I was spoken to by a bird. I'm unable to reveal <laughs> my sources. Uh, but I was told that the Air Jordan 11 Concord that just released was the biggest single sneaker release in industry history um which says a lot because jordan brand has been doing the air jordan 11 for the last few years and even the space jams that released a few years ago it seems like it seemed like those were everywhere and everyone had a pair of those um so for for this to come out and for this to be said i think uh, big kudos to them and that whole team over there at jordan brand um it's, it's interesting to me about it is that there were people on my timeline that were saying they finally got a pair of Air Jordan 11 Concords. And because I am in the industry, um, I often have access or I can get access to those to sneakers that are highly coveted. And, you know, without having to pay resale prices, I can generally pay like the normal price for them and get myself a pair. So it's um 
kind of I kind of felt a certain kind of way and people were like I finally had a pair I've been trying to get a pair of these for 10 years or 15 years and I was just like man like I'm happy that they put these sort of numbers out there so these people were able to experience what it is to get that sneaker you've been trying to get for a very very long time yeah I mean I think it's awesome that that you know I I, I heard probably from a different little bird that she'll be named uh, at no time in the future but um I heard the same kind of thing and I think that you know it's it's long overdue there's just been so many people that you know have wanted it and I and and the crazy part is I think that they probably could have made more and right. I mean, like like I wasn't able to get a pair and it, it, which you know it's okay like I I was lucky enough to get the last pair with you know a little help from friends up in Portland and this time around it just I didn't really want to I don't like asking for favors like that and I'd rather just take my chances and kind of just like write it out and if it's all good if you miss them you know like there's going to be more stuff but it, it is really cool you see a lot of people you know saying that on on social media and um I think too like there was so much talk about every year there's so much talk about like what gets messed up and what the quality and blah 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 and at the end of the day like it's like this shoe is just such a beautiful shoe and they you know despite how nitpicky the internet can be they did a really good job with this shoe like all of the right. the, the, the reviews that i've seen were like really struggling to even like tear it down in any way and that i think is even more impressive when you consider the numbers of how many that were made and and how many times like you know in the past when especially Jordan retros they're the the most super critiqued shoe on the planet I think so um, I, yeah. I, I think it's awesome to see this and I hope you know I mean and they're still selling for above retail on you know a lot of the secondary market platforms so I think you know hopefully we can kind of continue this and you know especially with you know as until there there's like this I feel like there's this cap, right? Like at some point people will say, okay, like I don't want to have more than, you know, X amount of shoes in my closet because it's just too much or X amount of shoes in my life because it's just too much to work with. And there's a few shoes that are always going to slide into place, right? And I feel like the Jordan 11 is one of those shoes where if you're going to get an original color and, you know, original detailing, like this one having the 45 on the back was really cool for a lot of us. And that to me is like cool like no matter what your limit of shoes is this is probably one of those shoes that gets a slot on the on the wall and you move one side and and, and donate it or sell it or whatever to kind of make room for it but i don't know right. tiffany what, how do you feel about it i thought it was interesting the i considered getting it but i'm like no i'm not going to play into this game um but i did go on that day to check around 5 p.m and it wasn't sold out yet so hmm. I knew either they made a ton, which sounds like they did, um, or it wasn't selling well. Sounds like it was the, the first. Uh, but the thing that was cool to me was a whole bunch of people I talked to about it said it was the first time they got a shoe off sneakers. And they were so stoked and like they'll forever remember it because it was their first shoe off sneakers. Um, and so I thought that was super cool. But at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, the demand just plummeted because they released so many of them which isn't good it's right. not necessarily good for the future of the brand you know because that 11 yeah. is one of the one of the grails right so 
Um, I hope they are not, I hope they're being cautious with the supply and demand of some of these. Yeah, it's interesting to, to, cause like you want, cause like you want everybody to be able to get a pair, but at the same time, like being in the, being in the business, we kind of understand the dynamics of, supply and demand even when like that means we don't get them as well (laughs) and the frustration that comes along with like wanting a sneaker and not being able to get it like i understand that i'm part of that process and it really it's it's interesting to because it you know you do have to balance both sides of it's like yes people were able to get a pair but now it's like where will the the craving for that shoe, where does that go now? Is that is that over for a lot of people because they do finally have a pair? Because I feel like people aren't going to wear these. Or they'll wear them once or twice, but they're going to kind of hold on to them to make sure they don't get messed up. And so they're not going to need another pair or have that want for another pair for a very long time. But maybe, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Maybe that's just how I, I think I would react in a situation like that. And maybe that's the, that's the problem. I mean, yeah, for me, I think... It's interesting to watch it over the next year and see what happens to the resale of those, too. And we'll yeah. just watch what the market does. Yeah. Yeah, because inevitably yeah, you'll, have, you'll have, you know, the you know the restocks or the, you know, extra pairs that somehow didn't get to stores hitting websites. And, you know, it'll, it'll for the most part, keep the secondary market pretty stable for a couple of months i think um but to, to your point i th- i think that you know this uh like seven years or whatever is a pretty decent amount of time in between releases you know maybe you're right though like the because it's such a you know it's like the grail so, so to speak for so many people that people do sit on them and and not wear them as much but you know, then there's all the other things that factor into that, right? Like, like my 2011 pair is, you know, already kind of yellowing on the outsole and, you know, it just doesn't have the same kind of, you know, wow factor when yeah. I pull them out of the box. Super so, yellow, super yeah. yellow. Yeah, that, that 2011 pair went yellow, like, went, like fast. Yeah. I, I was surprised by how quickly they, they, turn, they turned yellow. It was a little disappointing, to, to be honest. But, um that's i guess that's all part of the game um that we play when it comes to sneakers yeah anyway moving on from uh uh from jordan uh moving on to i think i think we should kind of let's break this down into like categories uh that we think kind of for the year i think um because there's a ton of sneakers i think we'd be here all night if we're like oh all of these sneakers were amazing yeah (laughs) um uh, so let's kind of break it down and something that I think came a lot um, that came up a lot this year was running, um, especially obviously for me because I, I obviously run a lot more regularly now. Um, I know uh, if you guys are on YouTube, um, you should be watching Tiffany's channel because she does a lot of reviews uh, when it comes to running shoes and really talking about the tech, the fit, the the, the density of the rubber, like a lot smarter stuff than I've ever talked about on my channel. Um, so make sure you're following her. Um, that, that's Tiffany Beers, or if you want to type the URL, it's Rumble Beers because she's about that life. Um, He's never going to let that, <laughs> let that down. Never going to let And never. I just started CrossFit, never. so now it's accurate, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but one of the standout shoes for me this year was uh, the Pegasus Turbo. Uh, I've always kind of run in the Pegasus shoes, but I wasn't I wasn't married to it. 
Um, I would run in the Pegasus. Uh, this year I ran a lot in the React. I've been running in the Under Armour Hover. Um, I even took a couple runs in the in the in the Hoka Hoka Hoka. I don't even know how to say it. Hoka Hoka <laughs> shoes. Um, but the Pegasus Turbo definitely stood out as one of the more comfortable shoes for me this year. And um, I know Nick. I think you you've talked about the Pegasus Turbo. I believe Tiffany, you have as well. Um, am I alone in this conversation? Um, is, is this my uh, uppity runner in me talking? Like, what's going on here? I um, I have to say, the Pegasus Turbo, you know, after the, the Epic React and then the Peg 35, which I really like the Peg 35 this year, that Turbo came out, and I honestly, the Turbo came out in like August, I didn't pick up the Epic or the Peg 35 or any other running shoe in my in my closet since. It's my yeah. go-to shoe. It always feels good. It always feels comfortable. I got the original colorway, which looks a little dingy, I got to say, after a while. Yeah, so that, yeah. that was the only thing <laughs> I didn't like about it. But love that shoe up and down. That's... And still, if I was going on an island and I could only take one pair of shoes, it would be the Peg Turbo. That's the, that, the original colorway is the one with the pink stripe, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the pair that I picked up, too. And I, I 100% agree. I mean, it, it's definitely one of the most comfortable shoes i own and uh, it, it's uh, the only downside to it is like that particular colorway just really kind of uh, i wouldn't say it's it's i mean i i'm not very good at cleaning my shoes but like it got dirty pretty quickly but it also just kind of looked like you said it looks almost dingy at this point but it's also you know probably preventable if i was not so lazy <laughs> Yeah, I, it's been, it's been it's, go ahead, Tiffany. I was gonna say I did throw it in the washing machine and it did clean up pretty good uh, and survived it just fine. So maybe maybe try that, Nick. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it's it's outstanding for those of you out there. Even if you're not a runner, I would say try out the Pegasus Turbo. I think you'll be you'll be pleasantly surprised, especially if you if you uh, if you like the React. I think getting the Turbo. Is just going to kind of take that, just take that up a notch. Like the Turbo is a great shoe, but I feel like it really takes that whole React feeling up a notch, and you'll really, and you'll really, really enjoy it. Um, just from a comfort standpoint, and if you're a runner or a training or anything like that, um, it's definitely something I would say to give a try because I think it'll, think you'll really enjoy it and like it. Um, so yeah, and you know, Nike's not paying me to say that. Um, that's that's just the truth. Yeah, right. I, I would agree. Uh, from from go ahead. I was I was just gonna say I would agree, and I, I would I would compare it to like the you know for for me it's really close to the Ultra Boost in terms of like you know it's there's certain things about it like when you slip it on you don't it's not gonna wear funny on your heel at all or the tongue's not gonna like you know rub funny on your on the top of your foot and it's just an easy shoe to wear and I think that's such an underrated thing when it comes to like the the you know how we view shoes now because there's so much hype around all of everything now because even this was like hyped up more than a typical running shoe i think but i, I would i would 100 yeah. percent agree it's 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 just such a you know go-to shoe yep absolutely my only my only 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 gripe is the price they're i think they're 180 or 190 or something like that yeah um I would have, I would love to see those at like 150 or something like that. I think that would give them a little bit more acceptance. I think at that 180 price, people just don't look to like running shoes in that way unless it's the Ultra Boost. Somehow the Ultra Boost has kind of been able to kind of break that barrier 
and I don't know if people look at the Pegasus in that it doesn't the Pegasus name or the brand of Pegasus doesn't have the same sort of recognition as the Ultra Boost does, especially in the uh, sneaker culture. Yeah. Uh, I think Pegasus has always been been sort of attached to the running crowd as opposed to the sneakerhead crowd, and I think that dampens the the impact that the shoe can have, especially with it priced at one hundred and eighty dollars. But uh, I'm sure Nike seems to be selling them pretty well, so I imagine they don't mind at all. Yeah, and I just recently saw like a not to keep going on the subject but i just recently saw like the i must have missed it before or either that or it's fairly new is like there's the women's version that's kind of like the the xx that has the kind of uh it's almost like a it looks like a hirachi type like sock liner and then it has like a little bit more of an uh over over the arch kind of um i don't know if you, what you would call it like bracing or system type thing in the design which mm-hmm. like that to me is kind of interesting to see if they're able to take the basic you know kind of let's say like look and feel and turn it into other things you know and, and incorporate the same like zoom x or whatever because it's not full zoom x right it's like zoom x and i think it's zoom x and react i think zoom x is like is that is like the main cushioning and then they have like react it's like the carrier i think it is yeah it's like a double layer there there's a little bit less zoom x in there um but the that yeah that zoom pegasus turbo 20 or xx it's 200 dollars first of all yeah um and it's it's you know lifestyle meets um, which shoe is that which one it's called the nike zoom pegasus turbo is a zoom pegasus turbo 20 like xx yeah, it's an oh, interesting model. It's just it's pretty new, actually. I haven't tried it yet. Oh, I don't think I, oh, I'm gonna have to look that one up. I don't remember that one. Yeah, I I. Uh, but what? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I just came across it and I thought it was interesting to to see that they're kind of expanding on the Pegasus Turbo. You know, to to step outside of the, just the standard issue. Uh, oh, okay. I know. It. Okay, I see it now. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I no, okay now I was gonna go off on a tangent but no let's keep let's stay focused um, let's stay focused. Um, speaking of women, uh, we have I would say one of the dopest sneakerheads in the world here on the podcast. Um, so I would in no way uh, step over uh, step over my bounds and say which woman which you I thought was the best for women this year. So uh, I'll let Tiffany lead this part of the conversation um, just because I don't want to become a victim of like <laughs> thinking I'm doing something wrong here. <laughs> yeah, so I think this is this was the year for finally some really dedicated women sneaker releases, right? We saw the LeBron HFR, right? Launched before yes. the 16 was launched. We saw the Vogue collab with Jordan. We saw some coming out of Puma. You know, we saw we saw all the brands kind of getting on it, but not quite. Nike seemed to be kind of leading the way in it. Um, and they definitely had some misses. You know, the Vogue collab was a little bit like, what does Jordan and Vogue have anything to do with each other? But right. so I have to say, I liked a lot of the collabs. I liked that they were coming out with women's specific shoes. But again, I think I think it should be gender neutral overall, like their shoes. Whoever likes them should be able to wear them, you know, um, and they should mm. come in all sizes. So my favorite women's collab of the year was definitely the HFR from the LeBron 16. I mean, 
the way they did it, they worked with that fashion house, that women's fashion house, and they just dialed the yep. details up from the LeBron 16 yeah. in a way that I, I think was totally unexpected. I, I thought it was going to be, you know, kind of a play down because that's usually what they do, right? The shrink it, pink it phenomenon. Yeah. But they really took the time and, and just outdid themselves. And still, to this day, I, I don't know that I'll ever wear that shoe, but that shoe is one of the most beautiful shoes I've ever seen. It's the quality of it and the details of it were just fantastic. And if that's a sign of women's shoes to come, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, it was. It, it definitely, I think, changed the perspective of a lot of people of what you could do with a women's shoe, which is kind of sad to say that it took something like that to change the perspective. And I, I feel like the the women in the sneaker community have been vocal about this for a very long time, wanting something different and not being just not not shrink it and pink it. Um, I don't know if you guys follow Jazz on on Twitter. Uh, but she's very vocal in this regard mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like what they do, um, how the brands treat women and when it comes to women's sneakers. She did a talk recently and um, she posted part of the talk on her Instagram and, and um, someone asked her, like, do women want their own sneaker store? And her response was no, like, no, we don't want a different sneaker store. We want to be able to walk into Foot Locker just like everybody else and get what we want. Like, it shouldn't, we shouldn't have to go to a different store that's pink or a different store that's catered to women. Like, it should just be a sneaker store, period, and we'd be able in there to walk in there and get it. And I just thought, that, you know, that's something as a, as a man, that's something that I don't necessarily think about because I can go in the sneaker store and pretty much get what I want. But it, it's awesome to, to see and to hear, to see one, that the sneakers are coming around and that the designers and brands are really getting it, that you can create something dope for women and it's okay and they'll buy it, it that you don't have to make it pink and or just slim down and take out the tech for a, a men's shoe, that you can actually give them something unique that's catered directly to them. And I just think that's really, really dope. And it takes, I think the LeBron uh, 16 HFR took it to a, another level I think Jordan's been doing some cool stuff with Alula May and um, like with Vashti and stuff like that, but this kind of set a set a precedent and took things up a notch, which I which I'm really excited to see. Yeah, I, I think it's I, I just think it's crazy that it's taken so long. You know, like if you look at like even even let's like look at like f just footwear in general, right? Like footwear news called the Fila Disrupt Disruptor the shoe of the year right and that's like primarily because like it became like a, a like a staple in like most women's closets this year somehow like i don't know how fila did that other than like you know it's like kind of an iconic style and it just was it's chunky and it fit the trend and it's cheap right mm -hmm. i think retails like 60 or 70 bucks on that shoe but like that that shows you just how much the business is is almost like driven by females and that purchasing power yet it's still just like completely misunderstood from like every almost every brand and every retailer and i just i'm like dumbfounded by it but i i think that you know the lebron hfr is like absolutely gorgeous like if that was you know something that was made in my size i would have been all over it just because i just thought like the details on it were just insane and yet it still had the 
you know the LeBron feel and the and like details for LeBron, but like obviously just in a, a totally unique way that you normally just don't see, right? Like like talking about the Vogue collab where it's like, okay, cool, we'll just take you know the shoe we kind of already created and we'll slap you know Anna Winter initials on the back and it's good to go. So. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's an interesting business. It's an interesting business model because the LeBron HFR, in order for it to be popular, it had to be backed by a man, right? So on some level, mm, yeah. good, but on some level, like, here we are, we're still back to the same business model. But at the same time, you know, the women, the, the whole kind of world is changing a little bit in that women are wearing sneakers to work more right women are wearing sneakers in general more and so that's making a lot more women buy shoes so finally enough women are buying sneakers to justify brands doing custom stuff because in the past you know if you're only going to sell five thousand three thousand you know it's not really worth the extra effort when you could make a shoe that's going to sell a million pair you know so the, right. I know the brands are trying to balance this, so I'm glad it's finally tipping forward. Um, and I think we're just going to see it year after year get better and better. And again, like gender neutral shoes, people like you, you don't go into a grocery store and there are not vegetables marketed for women versus men. Like it's not <laughs> like, you know, right, like right. It, we're just all people. <laughs> yep. That's a good point. Man vegetables versus women vegetables. That's very funny. Um, <laughs> I was trying to think of something neutral, you know, like. <laughs> no, that's funny. No, I, I, that's funny. I just the thought of it is is very funny to me. Now, uh, moving on from from women to to retros. I guess that's not really moving on from women, but bringing up retros. Um, I feel like retros had a good year this year. Uh, a lot of that led by by Jordan Brand, obviously, because they are they are. A, a bit of a heritage brand even though they do focus on the future with performance and stuff like that heritage is obviously what brings home the bacon and one of the standouts i believe this year was the air jordan one um, i feel like the air jordan one got a lot of love this year there was a lot of great colorways of the air jordan one and they ended the year really really strong with the union collaboration which caused hype that i hadn't seen for a jordan one since really since like the off-white kind of thing happened so it was really refreshing to to see that and to see to see Jordan brand allow someone to really deconstruct the Jordan one or continue to deconstruct the Jordan one and hopefully allow people with the right creative vision to even take that even further with the rest of the retro line. I think there's, there's a lot of room to modernize these silhouettes or tell deeper stories with these silhouettes. Um, I think people have gotten tired of the stories that they were telling over and over again. And what made the Union Jordan 1 work, I think, is because it was such a unique story. The shoe looked very unique. Uh, and obviously they were limited, so that obviously helped. But I just think people were, uh, we, people were attracted to the, I guess, the inventiveness of that collaboration. And um, yeah, so I just think it was a good year for the Jordan 1 and for retros in general. Um, but maybe, again... Maybe that's just me. Uh, I know I, I fully admit that I'm a part of the sneaker world and that I talk about this stuff every day. So my my uh, my thoughts could be biased since since especially uh, I'm a Jordan one fan. So uh, I'm open to any other suggestions in the retro market. But I thought retros did well this year. No, I think I think the Jordan one was was, you know, I, I mean, they're almost uh, there could have been too many good releases of the Jordan one. That's about the only bad i had i could say about it you know you had 
like even even non-original colors that are kind of twists on the the original like the homage to home the bread toes the you know i mean then you got like the shadows were this year i believe the you know the even just the recently the spider-man shoe is like it's it's a chicago one but it's like you know kind of a cool twist on it and um you know and and then you get into like the rookie of the year the the um the court purple those yellow joints like there was just like so many good colorways that came out and you know then there was like the hype versions you know like you said the union one was it's super dope that they're giving people a little bit of leeway to 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 kind of mess with it and make it their own because that's really what sneakers were about when when you know like when i was a kid like we would we would customize our stuff as much as we could to make it look different you know like whether it's like yeah. whether it's just like the the way you lace your shoes or the way you pop the tongue like all of those things are just give some personality to the shoe and i think like for for jordan brand to let you know beyond the jordan ones but like travis scott do his thing with with the fours and nigel sylvester with the ones getting to do like a, a you know a bmx inspired version all that stuff just yeah. adds cool factor to you know and and like in a like real kind of way right i think that's the key where there's so many times where the stories are, are like almost forced upon us and you know not to pick on any particular one but the the rookie of the year shoe right like that seems like a really forced right. story especially if you've been in the sneaker world for a while because that shoe just looks like the escape shoes from you know the escape pack colorways from I don't remember, like eight years ago or something. So it's like, yeah, of course we're going to recognize those colors and they're going to be good, but the rookie of the year story, do we really need that? I don't know. Maybe not. Like, right. you know, maybe just let it go with like, this is a good colorway and people are going to like it. So I don't think that the, that kind of, that kind of storytelling done from the brand doesn't necessarily have the impact that it once did, you know, like, it's almost like yeah. let let Union let Virgil and Off White you know tell that story and when you, you know I'm thinking like still retros but like the Tinker Threes came out this year right and like the Justin Timberlake yeah. Threes like those were such great spinoffs of like the classic shoe without it being forced you know maybe the Justin Timberlake stuff is but like the the Tinker shoe is like to see the original sketch like we most of us had seen that for years right you know it was in the Mm -hmm. forums and and the magazines a decade ago at least maybe 20 years ago and to see it kind of come to life is like oh cool like now i already like tie those things together because i'm passionate about sneakers so i i agree with you i think like there was just a lot of really good retro releases this year and you know even even on the on the nike side of things there was some some good runners you know like um the tuned air stuff coming back was nice to see um and and you know even like you know they the the shape of like the air max one this year was really really nice like i've never bought like the original you know university red or whatever varsity red uh, air max one before just because it's not really like a color that i like i like other colorways of that shoe and the shape this year was just like so nice and like the like the the mudguard paneling being so almost like 
you know, almost like parallel with the, with the ground and like so wide where at times like that becomes really thin and it just doesn't look like the quality is there. But when you see that much red on the shoe, it pops so nicely. It's like, okay, I'm going to get this. This will be the one that one time that I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone in terms of colors and um, style and just get it because it just looks so good. So props to the retros this year, I think. Yeah, I think it was a good year for retros too. I mean, you you can't deny there's a lot of shoe design out there, right? Like people are trying some new things, but you the Jordan 1 just looks so good always. Yeah. Um right. I mean, like I was at the airport a few weeks ago and I was in like Taipei, I think, and this like older woman was dressed in all black and she had a pair of black and red jordan ones on and i she just looked so fresh it was just like badass you know and it was just like that shoe they can drop in every single color there ever is and i think it'll do well the interesting thing is too it's it's 120 dollars. you know it's not breaking the bank to get a bunch of those again same with the air max you know i think that's the case with a lot of the retros you're at the right price point too so where some of the new tech you know is a little bit on the high side like we're talking about the turbo yeah and that and 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 just to just to clarify for the audience for women they're 120 dollars. for men they're 160 so just clarify (laughs) all right good to be a woman again (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've, been, we've been there one sixty. So, yeah, um, yeah. I think I think again, it, it's just a great looking shoe. Um, but if we're going to keep it a hundred, I I do find them to be uncomfortable, um, even yeah, though true. I love the way that they look. And um, I switch out the insoles in mine. I know I've talked about this before. Um, so if you are a fan of the Jordan One and you do recognize that they are uncomfortable, try switching out the insoles. Uh, or the footbed, whatever you call it, with um, different ones from just like store-bought ones, and you'll be pleasantly surprised with uh, how how much of a difference it can make in your shoes. Um, totally makes a difference. And, all right. Yeah, I mean, we need React. Uh, we need React in those Jordans. Oh, I mean, I'll, I, I'll start I would, a petition I would, I would if you guys that. sign it. Yeah, that would be amazing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm already on it. Right. I'm already on it. If we can get like, if we can get like a lunar insert, a React insert, something, keep the regular shape of the shoe on the outside, make it look exactly the same, but just give me like a lunar insert, a React insert, something to to make them more comfortable, and and I would absolutely love it. But I know the the issue with that is I know that the sneakerheads, uh, the real deep sneakerheads, would complain like crazy <laughs> if a Chicago or whatever color or a home or whatever it is colorway or the bread colorway of the Air Jordan 1 came out and it didn't have the Nike Air insole they would lose their minds knowing knowing first of all knowing how uncomfortable it is but just because it's not exactly like it was when it released back in the day they'd have a fit well listen um people uh the shoe needs to be more comfortable i enjoy the way that it looks make it look exactly the same on the outside just make it feel a little more comfortable actually no make it make it a lot more comfortable on the inside then i'd be totally totally happy with it but you know whatever i think they didn't they try that at one point they did they put different inserts in the jordan one I mean, there's been so many. Does anybody remember I that? I feel like there's been there's been versions of the one that were, you know, visually just slightly off from the one that had the, you know, like what was the? 
I'm drawing a blank right now, but the the shoe that Jordan played in um, at I think he played in in at um, or no, maybe not. It was like it would have like the almost like leather wrapped outsole kind of thing. You remember what that was, Jack? Uh, no, it's not coming to me. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Yeah. Well, but while, he, while he's looking alpha. for that, uh, Alpha, Alpha. There you go. Yes, yes. The German one, Alpha. And it was like, yeah. it, like they did the, all the original colors, but it it had like, you know, a light. It wasn't it wasn't a leather. You know, it was a, a really like kind of odd. I don't know because it was perforated, and it just. Oh yeah. It, it it was just not the right. Um, I don't know. It was just not done the right way. But the concept behind it, or the thought behind it, at least, was like a home run, right? Like, make the Jordan one, yeah. make it look as close to original as possible, and make it comfortable. Like that's the that's the one thing yeah. that where you know, because like for me, like the the Jordan, I agree, the Jordan one is is not the most comfortable shoe. It's it's one of those shoes. It's like it looks so good, I'm gonna wear it. I feel the same way about Chucks. I feel the same way about Adidas Superstars. I feel the same way about like yeah. a lot of those old school shoes that just they're not comfortable. But that's the thing that like even this year, like we had like the black cement threes, you know, with the Nike Air on the back. Like to me, that's like I think there's I think there's probably a couple of dozen that shoes that I would consider perfect, and that's one of those shoes that's perfect. And given the choice to wear a pair of Jordan threes or Jordan ones, comfort wise, it's like the threes are you know exponentially more comfortable. Which is the only, you know, yeah. the only downside to Jordan ones, because if they, if they did have something like, you know, uh, interchangeable insoles or something like that, 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 but kept the, the look and feel like, like you said, I'm, I'm kind of that same, you know, typically like all black and then, you know, Jordan ones or Jordan threes. So, yeah, and I get just make it look like the OG. Like I'm okay with it looking like the OG. I just need the insole to be different. You can even make the make it the, visually look like the regular insole, but just make it react or make it lunar or something. Just need some cushioning, and I'll be I'll be good. <laughs> but again, okay. anyway, let me get off my high horse here. Um, so something that was missing from this year um, is auto lacing. I I expected there to be a new hyper adapt by now which is something I see missing from this year. And um, Mr. Parker, uh, El, El, Mr. Mark Parker uh, of, the, of the Nike conglomerate, um, was even quoted, you know, Tiffany reminded me, he was quoted saying that there was going to be something that happening this year with auto lacing, and I haven't seen anything yet. So I'm a little... Uh, is perturbed a good word to use? Perturbed? Yeah. Um, dis- yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, Mr. Parker, what's going on there? Um, I know, Tiffany, you probably can't reveal too much, but um, what's happening, Tiffany? Why, why haven't we seen it yet? Yeah, I don't know. I, I expected to see it also this year um, just from one of their one of the uh, stock meeting, one of their... Um, uh, profit sharing meetings. Yeah, or investor calls. Investor yeah, yeah. calls, yeah. So I'm actually surprised too. I mean, the year's not over. We do have a solid two and a half weeks left. So, I mean, but it seems like if they're going to launch it before the end of this year, it's kind of bad timing at this point during Christmas and everyone's on break. But 
but who knows? Nike's always surprised us in the past. Um, my guess would be that it's giving us more time to save our money, maybe, or I don't Uh-oh. know. Maybe they got I don't some. Like the sound of that. <laughs> they got some amazing story planned uh, for it. I am definitely surprised to have not seen it yet. Um, I don't know actually anything about where it's at or where it's going. You know, it's it's believe it or not, I've been gone for over a year and a half now, which just kind of blows my mind, but. Uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait. I mean, the moment that thing comes out, Jacques, as soon as you hear about it, I want a phone call or a text. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm on it, and I'll definitely be trying to get myself a pair. Um, I just hope that the pricing isn't outrageous. Um, I have a feeling that it's going to be outrageous again. Um, what's what's that, not outrageous that, for you? So, like, what what do you think is the right price point for it? <laughs> Oh gosh, that's a great question. And I would, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna put that price at like $250,300. Yeah. It's interesting since I've been buying shoes now and um, <laughs> buying shoes now. I still bought them before. Just want to be clear about that. I just got an employee discount. Um, now that I'm buying shoes, like anything that gets close, like over the 175 mark, is kind of like, mm, I don't know. Like it's got to be really good. And so it makes much more sense to me now why, you know, the Hyper Adapt was so shocking at that price point. So yeah. I think it's going to be hard if, like, I'm curious to see what it does. I'm curious to see how you interact with it. I'm curious to see battery life, you know, because I think we knocked it out of the park on battery life with the first one. Um, right. Humble brag. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Deservedly so. <laughs> uh, I'm curious. D- well to see, deserved, yeah. though. <laughs> I'm curious to see lighting. I actually thought after the first hyper app with lighting, we'd see a lot more lighting in shoes, but I, I don't recall a single pair that has had lights in it this year at least um no. so, yeah. so i'm i'm really curious to see it weight too you know the weight is a was a big deal on the last round um at least for me i wanted to make sure it was light but um yeah so i think they have high expectations you know even though one shoe's already been launched i think after everyone tried it they all create expectation for the next one so that's hard to yeah. design around yeah, and they've let the, I feel like they've let the buzz die a little bit too. Like there was such a hype for it, and I was expecting, you know, I think because that was that was what two years ago, three years ago, three. It was twenty fifteen. Yeah, twenty fifteen. Um, like, yeah, when it was announced, wow. and then we started selling. I think it was still in twenty fifteen, and then definitely in twenty sixteen. So, um, yeah, I am really surprised. I thought we would have saw it by now for sure. Um, don't get me wrong, though. I mean. This is a challenging shoe to make. I, it was. It was. Yeah. It took a long time to get to the first one, um, and it's definitely got a lot of challenges that you don't see in normal footwear. And that, and like with that shoe, like you could do everything like you normally would in that shoe, right? They, the, the hyper adapt in the regular, in the first one, the one Like you could play ball, you could run, you could do, you could train, you could do everything in that shoe. It wasn't. It wasn't like a trophy piece. No, yeah, we we tested it specifically for that. Um, I have a bit of bias towards performance and making sure shoes are worn, even though the mag, you know. But besides that, yeah, I mean, it had a it basically had a basketball midsole on it, right? So it was the width and height of a basketball midsole, but it had a outsole that was for running, and so we kind of built it in a way 
that it would work for running training and basketball so that people could do everything in it. Now, my understanding is that this next one's basketball focused. I think Tinker's said that now a couple times. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and Mark Parker even mentioned that, right? So I'm super curious to see, um, what, what, what it is, what it, you know, the benefits of it and how it works. Yeah. I'd like, I'd like to see that. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. Uh, maybe, maybe early, maybe, uh, early 2019, maybe that's, uh, maybe all-star, maybe that's going to happen at all-star or something like that. Maybe we'll see it pop out then. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's that's, 2020 that's, that's and it's going to hover. Wouldn't that be amazing? Ah. <laughs> uh, don't don't play with my emotions like that. <laughs> don't 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 play with my heart. Don't play with my heart. Um, and uh, speaking of my heart, uh, something that I'm very close to, um, that I've kind of taken a, a bit of a an attachment to this year is the the uh, eco friendly angle for sneakers. Um, I feel like a lot has been made, or a lot has been done in the past year kind of i would say acknowledging some of the drawbacks of sneakers that we don't necessarily understand or realize um like how that stuff impacts the environment which is not really a conversation we we generally have but due to uh the science peoples uh the people that are way way smarter than me it seems like we've made some strides in that in that arena um one being um cotton-based shoes corn-based shoes sorry not cotton but corn-based shoes which is absolutely amazing to me um that to make shoes out of food there there's definitely some room to grow in that area um and tiffany i'm going to kind of lean on you because i remember last time we talked about this you said there were certain things that need to be taken into consideration even though the shoes are still made out of corn there's other factors involved as well yeah absolutely i mean this this goes back to like it's great that we're looking at environmental factors when we look at shoes because because they definitely haven't been the best in the past but um Mm -hmm. using a renewable material to make your shoes so that's what the corn and and kind of the plant-based shoes are all about there's some that are made with mushrooms and things like that but it's renewable, right? So it continues to grow. So we always have access to it where if we're constantly using plastic or leather, you know, like we're having to grow cows, we're having to get oil and natural resources used for it. So the idea of using something that's renewable is great. However, it doesn't solve the problem of being recyclable or biodegradable. And just because you use Mm. a material like corn doesn't mean it's biodegradable. I mean, those shoes are still going into incinerators and landfills. So, Right. I love that they're looking at the front end, but they need to be looking at the back end and making shoes more decompostable and, and recyclable, which even even the Parley shoes, they don't exactly do that. You know, there are a few brands out there that are looking at it. Um, like, for example, Allbirds, all of their components in their shoes are recycled. Um, and I guess if you take them apart, if you cut them apart, you can recycle parts of them like their um, I think it's their their slide that's made out of sugar cane. Um, I think you can oh, put wow. that in a recycling bin in certain countries, but I'm, I'm not sure about the details. I have to look it back up, but, but oh, it's the idea of if it's not a collectible shoe, if it's an everyday wear shoe and, you know, and you're going to wear it out, what do you do with it at the end? And I think that's right. where I wish brands would focus a little bit stronger on. Um, even though we've seen, we've seen good, good moves in that area. You know, Nike has that grind program where they, um, they like put out a national contest where you could win money and and the people came up with turning it into asphalt so like putting the shoe components into asphalt and then also like rock climbing 
things, you know, the, the rock climbing things that you attach the wall, like making those out of them. So that's those are some pretty cool ideas. And that's that's a start for sure. Yeah. And I remember last time we talked about this, you said that um, that the recycling part is actually the harder part of the process because of um, gosh, I know I'm going to mess this up, but once you once you use something and you have to recycle it, um, didn't you say it's something about the properties change or something like that? What was it yeah. about the properties once you recycle it? Well, yeah. So, so in general, when materials are recycled, so when you have a, a brand new material, it's called a virgin material, right? And every time it gets mm-hmm. recycled, it basically damages the properties of it. So, for example... If you have like a nylon material, every time you recycle it, it's not going to be as strong as it was originally, right? Because all the fibers are broken down and then you re-polymerize it, polymerize it. Mm. Same thing like with um, clear, it's same thing with actually uh, clear plastics, uh, the clear sides like polycarbonates. Every time you recycle them, they're not quite as clear as they were before. So you have these little property changes and also... Another part of that is when they're out in the world, there's a lot of other chemicals and things. Like think if you step into gas or you step into some oil or something else that's on the ground or the street, right? We have to hope the recycling program is washing those all off and cleaning it well enough so that it's not going into our new product, right? So you have that issue too. Mm. Uh, There's just so many dynamics around recycling that make it super, super challenging. That's, wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, Go ahead, I was just going to say, it's just so many things that, that, like, as a normal consumer, like, you don't think about, right? I, I mean, I, like, you know, do my best in so many different ways, but to think about all the things that, like, just talking about, like, stepping in something that, and thinking about how that is, like, you know, like, reprocessed back into other things, and how much it could affect that, it just, I mean, it's almost, like, daunting, right? It's, like how how do we ever get past that but it's you know this year has been really awesome and i I mean i think like it's been awesome to talk to you two about this on a regular basis because it's something that has come up i feel like every other show we've talked about a new company trying something different you know like i remember the 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 gum soles thing and you know it's like it it sounds crazy when you first hear about it but it's like it's worth trying you know there's there's like almost no reason not to try at least to a certain point like seeing what can work better than what we're doing right because you know especially with like the mm-hmm. the kind of the climate report that just came out you know at the end of the last month where it was like yeah we better get it together as as a society or we might be in trouble a lot sooner than we thought you know yeah yeah um, now to go going from the eco friendly angle, um, something else that really jumped out to me this year, and I, I don't know if this was just this year, but it's what Adidas was doing with the 4D and 3D printing with sneakers, uh, well at least the outsole of shoes. And I believe Under Armour did some stuff this year as well with the 3D printing. Um, I'm still really fascinated by by that angle and how you can really like really get down to the pixel is like the design and the tension and the materials that you use. Um, and Tiffany, I'm going to kind of lean on you because from, from a, a layman's perspective, I think that is so cool. That's awesome. Be able to print shoes at home or be able to print shoes for you at a store and it not be an inferior product. 
it, are we are we close to that or is that really just still like uh, am i falling into the hype of the marketing material yeah i think we're closer right so i i don't think we're there yet um, and really, it's going to take a materials breakthrough to get there, right? So most of these printing methods is exactly it. It's printing. So just like you lay down ink, you're laying down a material, right? And so because it's printed and you're laying down layer after layer after layer, you have to think about how those layers are joining. And that's where they become weak. You know, anywhere you have a joint mm. in electronics and woodworking, you know, in almost any material where there's a joint, that's a weak spot. And so in these 3D printing you know, you're relying on those joints to hold up. And I think that's why we haven't seen, you know, as much, I, we haven't seen that kind of come forward faster than it already is. However, Nike's built uh, uppers now that have been 3D printed, right? I didn't get to see that right. shoe, but uppers a bit more challenging, um, I think because of the dynamics and the, and the stretch that goes into it. So having not seen that upper, I don't know if it's stretch or not, but it was listed as like a high performance shoe. So I have to believe that there's some advancement happening. Now, I don't know the reality of actually printing all your shoes at home, you know, like, I mean, how many people have printers in their house where they print paper? I mean, I do, but I got to say, I'm using it less and less and less. So it's like, yeah, right. E even if you had the printer, like you have a stove, but how often do you bake or you have an oven? How often do you bake? You know, like, right just because we can doesn't mean it will. Um, but I do think it is interesting in, when you think of it from an environmental standpoint. Like if you can grow your own shoe and it wears out after, you know, two months and you just grow another one and you, and you throw it in your recycling bin or you throw it maybe in a recycling that prints the next shoe, like that starts to become really interesting. And, and mm -hmm. I think in like third world countries and things like that, it starts to become interesting. But I don't think in the sneaker world, I don't, I don't know that it's... It's ever gonna be big. That's know. just a such a fantastic thought for me to think of being able to print your own shoe at home. And be like, oh, my shoe's worn out. I'll just print up another pair. That's just that's an amazing <laughs> thought to me. That's amazing. I mean, if you think about it though, like if you had a sewing machine and you had the fabric, if your t-shirt wears out, you could make your own t-shirt. You could just right. like stitch it together. It's not quite as automatic. I mean, everyone thinks these printers will just magically do everything, but there's some, you're going to have to clean off some excess material and things like that. I don't know if you've ever worked with yeah. rapid prototyping, but there's a bit of there's a bit of cleaning that has to happen. So yeah, I think yeah, I'm fascinated. I, I am too, and I think it'll it'll end up being one of those things where it's that's a great example of like you could you could you know you could fix your own T-shirt, but are you actually going to do that? Like. That's kind of like the the, the <laughs> mindset, like the pro, like the the challenge for it is almost like, how do you even, you know, there'll probably be some some person that will, like, one off print midsoles and make some sort of interchangeable, you know, footwear, right? Like that's kind of what I see is like the first homemade thing happening, and they'll find some way to, you know maybe attach an upper, but it will never live up to the performance standards of what the brands are trying to make and have to live up to, right? Be and you'll have those people that are like, wanna be first to try something and they'll spend a bunch of money to do it and then, but it'll just be for the kind of the cool factor of it, right? It won't be like really a usable, functional piece of their kind of attire. In, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and you got to remember too what the brands are doing with it is not they're not setting it up so you print your shoes at home, right? Mm-hmm. They're doing it as trying to do it at a mass scale. Yeah. Right? So that right. so if they can print things at a mass scale that quickly, it saves them on tooling, right? They don't have to build tooling anymore, which is metal and it's heavy and it takes a lot of money and time to make. So it it improves their process, but they're not necessarily going to be the ones to bring it to your, you know, your living room, right? That's a, that's a completely different yeah. kind of thing and and frankly, once it's at scale with these big brands, you're not going to print it at home anyways. You're just going to go to Amazon and buy it, right? Yep. Like, it'll be right. faster than you're printing it probably, you know? So um, I think, though, Jacques, for sure, without a doubt, you're going to need one of these printers when you go to Mars. Yes, so definitely. So that is absolutely. an application that you're absolutely going to need it for. So. I mean, stop playing. Stop playing. <laughs> don't, don't get don't get me all excited up in here. Don't get me all excited. Uh, but but maybe that maybe that's the business plan. Everyone owns a printer, but you have to uh, you have to buy the plans from the big brands, and that's the new business model. I'm just putting it out there, Nike hire me. Um, giving giving you guys an option. Uh, but with that being said, uh, I want to transition to uh, 2019 or 2020. So I'm going to pitch it to both of you guys. Tell me two things that you see happening in 2019 or 2020. Um, the future, so to speak, of footwear uh, from your perspective. Uh, let's start with you, Nick. Two things you think uh, happening in the next year to two years in, in the sneaker world oh, pressure man um so I, I think uh i think we've gotten too crazy for collaborations and i think that they'll become more refined um i don't think that we'll see less of them because you'll always have you know reasons for people to work together just because if you can find the right person to work with it turns into something incredible kind of like you know like the fear of god stuff with nike basketball um and I think that the I think that it's just going to become um, the brands will become more selective with that, and you'll see more. You'll see a little bit more leeway. You'll see people, you know, that you normally wouldn't have thought could, let's say, design a shoe, being brought into you know the Nikes, Adidas, and whatever to actually be a part of designing a shoe. Um, because then it gives people a much like sharing that experience becomes something that that consumers can get behind, right? Like, if if this like using fear of God as as the example, you know, here's some Jerry Lorenzo, somebody who's been incredibly successful with his own brand, you know, worked on, you know, I don't think he's on season six of the Fear of God stuff, but like, you know, helped Kanye's team develop the original Easy Seven Fifty, and now seeing him get to to create a shoe with Nike that it's you just get to see that like pure passion and like ex- the the excitement from somebody that's already done a lot of incredible things and i think that is something that a lot of people will try to emulate um on the other side i think like just from a a, a style um perspective like i really think that we're kind of getting close to um to to like shifting back towards like more of those like 80s or 90s like really bulky high top shoes 
just because we haven't seen them in quite a while. You know, there's been a few companies that have put out, you know, like Adidas put out some retro stuff with Eric Emanuel that was really cool, but like it's really a small niche, but I think like from a fashion perspective, it's going to be, it's going to shift again, right? Like we've been kind of on this, like we went from like, you know, the, the super slim, you know, ultra boost style, like Yeezys into, you know, more of like the chunkier quote dad shoes. And I think the next progression is just be getting into like the, you know, I don't know, like think of like the, the, you know, David Robinson shoes from the, like the nineties, right. Where, you know, the shoe is just massive. And at that time it was, it was like a performance shoe, which obviously we realize now that like that doesn't make any sense, but you know, looking at like the the fashion side of things, I think that will be like a big trend in the next like probably you know year or two. I don't know. How, how, what do you think, Tiffany? <laughs> Gave me a lot of time to think there. That was good. <laughs> uh, man, I I'm gonna say I'm gonna look out in 2020 and maybe a little bit further. I think you're gonna see double or triple the amount of brands that there are right now. I mean, there are small brands wow. coming out of the woodwork everywhere. And I would love to see some of the big brands. And I actually think they're going to have to because I think all these little brands together are going to start taking chunks out of them. I'd love to see them be like, hey, Allbirds. Like, I, I don't know how you do it, but like, Allbirds, come here. Like, here, we'll, we'll let you use our supply chain and our distribution. Or, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, there's some weird business models in there. But like, I think, I think the little brands are going to start to take over a bit. Um, I don't think we're going to see a lot of electronics. Uh, it's, it's just not there yet. It's too big. It's too expensive. It just doesn't make sense yet. Um, but I, I think the second thing is I would love to see, uh, you know, toe to heel, fully recycled, made of recycled shoe that you throw in your recycling bin. And I think that's aggressive, mm. but um, I'd love to see it. You know, Adi says by 2024, they'll be fully recycled. Um, right. But, you know, I think some of these smaller brands are going after it and, and maybe a, and they maybe can go faster because they're small. But, um, yeah, yeah, I'd love to see a shoe that when I'm done, I recycle it. And I think the third thing is and I, I have to like, you know, I I said a little earlier and maybe one of our podcasts, but I thought, you know, people aren't going to keep collecting shoes because. There's the, people's collections are so big right now, and I'm suffering from this. My collection is so big right now. I don't even like some of the pairs. Like I have to get rid of them, but I can't help to keep buying the pairs that I like, you know. And so yep. I hope that there's like some massive closet integration and like super awesome storage systems for shoes developed, so that you can have as many as you want, and you can, but you can do it in a like more organized kind of smaller space if you will mm, that's, that's awesome now that's something that intrigues me yeah alright um, I'm gonna go um, I'm gonna go a little bit of a different route I feel like sneakers are becoming a bit homogenized as far as like acceptance and I don't know where we are in that process I feel like so many people are into sneakers and uh, I don't know how long that can last. I feel like it's gonna it's super it's still super trendy and I 
I guess my concern that is, is that in the next year or so, there's going to be a, a bit of a fall off and um, it's going to have an impact on the sneaker world. I, I think sneakers grew like we went through that super, super hype and then it kind of tamed off a little bit. Um, and now it's growing again. And I think it, it's it's I think within the next year or so, we're just going to see a, a change in sneaker culture in general. Um I think it's going to kind of go back to maybe a niche thing. Um, I could be totally wrong with that. Uh, it could go the opposite way, where it turns into like a Marvel thing, and like everybody's just into it and continue to be into it. Um, but we'll see. Uh, the second thing is on the collab front, this, and it kind of this kind of goes to what Nick was saying. I, I'm hoping that brands take these collabs a lot more seriously. And, and when I say that, I mean that they make them moments instead of trying to drag them out. Like with the Virgil stuff, I, I, I feel like it's losing a bit of its cachet because it's feel, it seems like it's been dragged out for so long. Um, I feel like they need to make it have moments as opposed to making it like a, a, a definite part of the brand. Like the union stuff is great because like that moment's over. And that's something that we'll kind of always remember if you were in the sneaker world at that time. Whereas this Virgil stuff, I, I feel like there there isn't like a, we can't really nail down a moment for the Virgil stuff anymore. It's just like, there's just off-white stuff with Nike now. There's not a moment attached to it anymore. Yeah. Um, it's like 2018, so I, <laughs> the whole year. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like 2018, 2017. Uh, was it like the end of 2016 when they first came out? Like all of that kind of seems like that's all like a Virgil moment. And that, I don't know, for me... I, I, I would hope that brands start to really start to make those moments as opposed to, you know, stretching it out and, and trying to milk the cow, I guess. Um, like, let's have that moment and let that live and be what it is. And that allows you to bring it back years later. And people have like this deep, fond nostalgia for it as opposed to like, oh, like they. What, didn't they just do that last year kind of thing like I, I don't yeah. want to have to ha- think about that when it comes when it comes to off-white uh, and then the final thing is um, more collabs with NASA uh, I don't know who's going to do it but someone someone's going to do more collabs with NASA and I'm going to be all over it so shout out to the folks at NASA because I appreciate you licensing out that logo um, you've got a fan in me you've got a friend in me and I'm here for you whenever you need me uh, give me a call whenever you're ready to have a, 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 a regular person go to space because I am available um, and I'll have the shoes to prove it. So that, those are my thoughts. Uh, but that's that's a wrap. That's a wrap for Outside the Bugs podcast. Those are our thoughts on the big moments in 2018. Uh, and actually, before I say that, are there any other moments? Am I am I cl- wrapping up too soon? Are there some moments you guys want to highlight? Did I did I sh- shut this thing down too soon? I mean, there was like I think these it's pretty good. Yeah, there was three people that started a podcast uh, <laughs> called Outside the Box. But other than that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, all right. I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, well, with that being said, we want to thank you guys for listening to the Outside the Box podcast this year. Uh, this was a grand experiment that Tiffany, Nick, and I went on, and we are more than over, over, overjoyed by the sort of response that we got. 
and the passion that you guys showed for this show. Um, we had no idea what this would be. Uh, really, it was just three people that, that love sneakers, that love talking about sneakers, that love culture, that love pop culture, that just love a, a bunch of things, really, and wanted to get on you know once a week and talk about it and you guys fully embraced us and i just think that's absolutely incredible and we appreciate it we have been on a bit of a break but we'll be back next year uh sometime after the holidays roll around and we and we get things back in order we'll be back with the podcast thank you guys for listening on soundcloud on apple music um i mean on apple Podcasts, on the google play store stitcher or wherever it is you're listening to the show we definitely appreciate it uh if you want to find me anywhere uh, I'm in these digital streets all the time. Um, you can find me at Cousteau, which is K-U-S-T-O-O. That's on Facebook, Instagrams, the Twitters, uh, sometimes on the Snapchats, but more often than not, I'm on the YouTubes. Uh, but you can find me there. But as I always say, this show would not be what it is without the other two individuals on this show. Uh, they are the host. I am simply the intern that brings coffee and donuts and interjects and messes up things, you know, tries to jump in the conversation and has no idea what he's talking about. Uh, mainly, uh, I'm going to toss this to Nick so he can fix this whole thing. Even the outro was bad. Let them know where they can find uh, you, Nick. You can find me uh, at Nick Engvall, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L, or at Sneaker History on all platforms. and. Um, I, I just want to say it's been awesome to, to get to talk to the two of you and, and learn, even though even though Jacques is an intern, he's an incredibly talented intern. Um, and, you know, obviously getting to talk with Tiffany um, and, and learn, and, and this has just been, uh, you know, a, as fun for me as I hope it's been for the people watching and listening uh, across there. But Tiffany, go ahead and let them know how they can find you. Uh, Tiffany Beers, you can find me at Tiffany Beers on uh, Instagram and YouTube. And I have to say, I thought of one more thing I want to see in 2019, and that's Nick's YouTube channel, because that will be one to watch. Uh-oh. Um, and Shots fired. Boom. <laughs> The thank you all so much. I just really have to reiterate what Jacques said. You guys have been the best followers, fans, listening, chiming in on our stories, you know, being patient with the Lacer Racers. They've been on a break for a while, too. Um, you know, it's just been, this has been, like, so fun. I didn't think, I didn't know what to expect, and this has really been a blast, and it's it's because of our fans and the comments and, and just the, the general funness of the whole thing. So thanks to you, Nick, and Jacques, you're the best investment intern i could ever imagine i mean that's fantastic yes. i didn't know you were an intern in yes. this i thought you were our yes. fearless leader as an intern that's great so no no yeah no. when just you go to intern, nasa though I, I want this as part of the gig still so you still have to yes, do the absolutely absolutely although although i'll probably have a uh, top level clearance so there will be certain things that i won't be able to talk about so i just want to put that out there um, yeah, what's the time delay on yes, a, on yeah, a not, not time delay on on you know recording from Mars? We got to figure that out. Yeah, we've definitely got to figure that out because uh, the, the first chance I get, I am gone. Um, <laughs> and, with, and with that said, we are gone. Again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can follow us at the Outside Pods on the Twitter and the Instagrams. We appreciate you guys. The show will be back. 2019 uh we'll get get this thing going again but we appreciate you thank you guys for listening hope you had a wonderful wonderful season and uh we'll see you guys and talk to you guys soon peace